The following is a presentation of the All Andy Alford Network, powered by Anchor. You are listening to Andy tonight on the plethora of platforms on the Anchor Network, whether it be on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Bleaker. However you listen, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you so much for tuning into the program tonight. You can always be a part of our show by following us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyElford. It is at AllAndyElford and Facebook.com slash AllAndyElford. What a weekend, folks. A exciting weekend of football is back. But, of course, hardship in Northwest Ohio sports terms. The Lions are with a new coach and a new quarterback, but it's just still the same LOL Lions. The Browns brown themselves in the fourth quarter and cost them the game. Saturday, Bowling Green loses and gets their heart ripped out and thrown across the floor against South Alabama while Notre Dame gets tested by the University of Toledo. They got lucky to get a win. But the Oregon Ducks show up to the shoe and beat the Buckeyes. The season for the Buckeyes is done. No playoff. telling you that right now. While Michigan beats a team that lost to an FCS school. They're 2-0. The playoff races are heating up in baseball. The Tigers and Indians, they're done. They're not going to make it. While the Red Legs continue their push to the wild card. And the Mud Hens are still on top of the Midwest Division. And a Cy Young winner is coming to T-Town tomorrow night. Solheim is done. What's the next sporting event we're looking forward to? Oh, yeah. The return to T-Town hockey in the Glass City. And all Andy Alfred starts right now. Guess who's back? All Andy Alfred. Four runs in the span of the Shut out. Dumbino! Hit to a home run. Go! Jack. That's way back. Put some extra relish on my hot dog. Bear down, Chicago Bears. 2-2, two, two, it's time for all Andy Alfred. And with that, I say, oh, I love you guys. And welcome in to another edition of all Andy Alfred. Right here on your exclusive home for me, that is the Anchor Network. And you are listening to me on the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network. Whether it be on iTunes and Apple Music, whether it be on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you are listening to our show, wherever, whenever, and however you're listening, thank you. From the bottom of my heart, thank you for tuning into the show tonight to hear my video opinions on sports and as well as what's happening in my life 
You can always be a part of the show by following us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyAlfred. It is at AllAndyAlfred as well as Facebook.com slash AllAndyAlfred. So welcome into this, the 13th day of September 2021. We are now 12 days, 12 days away till my wedding, 10 days to the rehearsal, 10 days to the start of fall, and we are at the zero point for a new episode of All Andy Elford here tonight on the Anchor Network. A lot to get into and a lot to break down tonight. Of course, we're going to dive into the baseball races right now, especially with the NL wildcard race with the Red Lakes hanging in there. We'll talk about, recap the Reds weekend as they took on the St. Louis Cardinals this past weekend. We'll dive into that. We'll also dive into what's happening on the diamond for the uh, Tigers and Indians slash Guardians. We'll dive into that. Also, the Mud Hens returning home, and here is a here is an announcement. We just got this over the waiver wires this afternoon. Columbus is coming to Toledo this week for a six-game series. Tomorrow night, we're gonna we're we're gonna plug this as much as you want. How would you like to see the American League Cy Young winner at fifth third field? That's right. Shane Bieber making a rehab start Tuesday night at fifth third field, 635 first pitch against the Toledo Mud Hens with Spencer Torkelson as well as Riley Green. This is a great test for these young kids to see a Cy Young winner go up against a Cy Young pitcher. We'll dive into what's happening at Hensville in the Hen Park with the Mud Hens as they were on the road in Iowa and they put up a shellacking of a score on Saturday. We'll talk about that as well as news today on the Jackets front. Uh, the Jackets firing uh, assistant assistant coach. You'll hear my opinion about that on the Andy Rants tonight as well as you'll hear my full reaction to the Solheim Cup Yes, Solheim Cup. And we're going to start with that first and foremost because we've been off the air since the Solheim Cup has ended. And let me tell you, um, we were planning on doing shows uh, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday of the Solheim Cup. However, uh, I do want to apologize to you, the listeners. I got really into the Solheim Cup. And by the time I would get out of the cup, out out of Inverness... You know, it would be so late. I said, you know what? It's not worth it to do shows. Well, I'm because we do so. We do a full week of shows for the Marathon Classic. I I decided to just go ahead and not and scrap the Solheim Cup coverage because I want to invest more into this year's Bowling Green football season and more coverage on that. So I scrapped the Solheim Cup coverage. And Thursday night was the opening of the BG football season at Tennessee. And we'll get to the whole what we witnessed on Saturday here in just a minute. But let me tell you, the city of Toledo, I am so proud of us on how we performed at the Solheim Cup. Over 100,000, it was 113,000 if I'm not mistaken. I'm listening to my 113,000 through the turnstiles. At Inverness, the full week from Thursday's practice, Tuesday's practice rounds, all the way to Championship Monday, and the city really rolled out the red carpet for these players, 
for the world to show up. And the world was watching. And we see that Team Europe defends its championship. And, you know, I was there Saturday morning for the first round of the match plays. And uh, I followed the Corda sisters, Nelly and Jessica. And, you know, they... they they look fantastic. They, they, their, their ball striking ability was fantastic. But you know, you're running up against the Europeans that are just so good. They're just so good. And then the fact that they were down four-one after the first rounds of the foursomes match. You know, I, I kind of felt like Europe had the momentum. And then the United States made the second surge in the. In the second half on Saturday, got it back to close, and then they really turned it up on Sunday. Um, but Monday, but it was just too much for them. It really was. And then you play, then you're playing match play between uh, single match play, championship play, and you know, I, I just, I, I just had that feeling that the that the U.S. wasn't going to come out on the winning edge. I really did. And uh, so congratulations to Team Europe and retaining the Solheim Cup on American soil, too. And, uh, you know, it it, it was just a great week of golf in the city of Toledo. And it was a great week of, you know, sports in general. Because you just not only had the Solheim Cup there, you also had the opener for the Rockets over at, at the Glass Bowl. The Mud Hens were on the road, of course. So, yeah, I mean, it was great to have all these people in the city, and it's great to see the city coming out in droves to support this golf, and maybe this will span a tournament, a PGA tournament, to come to Toledo. I would love to see that. I'd love to see the PGA come to Toledo. But, of course, now with the Rocket Mortgage Classic up in Detroit, it's kind of hard for the city to get a big event like that to come to town. Sure, we have the uh, AAA All-Star Game in baseball as well as the uh, ECHL All-Star Game that we had here. We have Winterfest from, with regarding of the Mud Hens, uh, the amount of baseball that we get from the Mud Hens as well as the concerts that are at Prometica Park. Uh, Promedy Park, excuse me. I call it Prometica Park. Um, and then you have, you know, the you have Highland Meadows in Sylvania with the the Marathon Classic every year. You know, Toledo is such a great city to live in. And, you know, there's so much to do in the city. And, you know, I get a lot of people that, that knock on this city. And I, I don't understand why. This city is absolutely fantastic. You could do something different every single day. Whether it be going to the art muse- the famous art museum, the zoo, uh, the Imagination Station. You can go to... I mean, you can go to any one of the metro parks. It's absolutely breathtaking and fantastic. Uh, you can go out to, I mean, there's plenty of great restaurants with Tony Paco's as well as uh, Ye Old Dirty Bird, uh, Frickers if you're in the bar, uh, food, bar, sports kind of a feel. Um, yeah, I mean, Toledo is such a great city, and I just I, I kind of hate it that people knock this city so much. About, you know, well, there's nothing to do here. and There's nothing going on. And blah, 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 blah. Because you're not looking hard enough. There's always something going on in the city. And it's always a fun time here in Toledo, Ohio. So the world was watching us. And we hit the tee shot right down the middle of the fairway. And it was perfect. 
So congratulations, Toledo. A great job with the Solheim Cup right here in Toledo, Ohio. So let's dive into it. Let's go right into it. We're going to go right onto the gridiron. And, well, it's a new coach, a new quarterback. It's the same old damn LOL Lions. And in traditional fashion, of course, we will do this. Forward down the field. Oh, never mind. We're just going to cut it. Let's talk about this game. All right. Of course, the 2021 NFL season has begun. It started this past Thursday as the Cowboys took on the Buccaneers. We're going to give you the full recap of all the other games this past week. But first, we're going to focus in on two teams. Of course, we're going to focus in on the Lions and the Browns. We're going to start first with some of the with the negatives first with the Lions. The 49ers are a really good team. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to knock them. They are fantastic. I, 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 in my own opinion, I put this down at the beginning of the season. And you heard it here on the podcast. I took the 49ers in the AF in the NFC North, I mean, NFC West, actually in last place. But they're going to be an eight and nine record, nine and eight record overall. That's what I feel about them. And they're they're a great team. Don't get me wrong. Jimmy Garoppolo, they're with their two quarterback system between Garoppolo and Trey Lance. They're a fantastic team. That is a Super Bowl caliber team right there. They can build it up. They can, you know, they can keep playing and getting into into a swing of things. They played a ragtag bunch of players. In my opinion. Life fans, do you have the bottle of uh, Crown Royal ready? Because it's going to be a long season. We are so screwed. We are so screwed. But, you know, we held and we rallied in the fourth quarter. And they held, you know... I just keep thinking about this. I just I just keep really thinking about this. You know, they build up a lead and then the and the Lions came roaring back and I was happy. I was happy as a clam. I saw, "Oh my god, they could tie this game." And then the Lions LOL themselves. They they just they just collapse on themselves. And Goff throws the Throws the incomplete pass on fourth and two. On fourth and 13. Why didn't you just. This goes back to coaching. It goes back to coaching. This is a young coaching staff. You have a veteran veteran quarterback. That has been to the Super Bowl. A young coach. I am banging my head. When is it going to finally click? The Ford family needs to get out of the team. Again. Us as Lion fans, this is... I'm sorry, but no... 
This team has bright spots, but it has a lot of dark spots. The Lions lose 41 to 33 on Sunday. The 49ers built up a 28 point lead on the Lions and the Lions cut it down and I'm happy that they came back. I am I am giddy. I am excited that they came back. But what but that doesn't that doesn't put a W on the board. You have to finish the job. Lions lose 41-33. Overall stats look like this. Garoppolo, 17 for 25 for 314 yards, 1 TD. QBR rating is a 74.6. Lance came in. He, he went 1 for 1 with 5 yards. He had a TD. Mitchell, 19 carries for 104 yards, 1 TD. Hasley, 1 carry, 3 yards, 1 TD for the 49ers. On the receiving course, Samuel, 9 catches, 189 yards, 1 TD. Sherfield, two catches, 23 yards, one TD in the game for the 49ers. The Lions, golf a great day. I, I, I got to give him credit. You know, first time out playing the full four quarters, he did a tremendous job. 38 for 57, 338 total yards passing, three TDs. He did throw an INT. His QBR rating, though, is a 24.9. As a team, they had 314 yards passing for three TDs, one INT. Williams, nine carries, 54 yards, one TD. But he wasn't the big carrier. It was DeAndre Swift, 11 carries, 39 yards. He had more touches in the game. On the receiving court, TJ Hawkinson, eight catches, 97 yards, one TD. Swift, eight catches, 65 yards, one TD. Zepus, three catches, 12 yards, one TD. So the Lions, you know, they have some momentum. I will say that. I will give you that. The Lions have some, you know, building that they're doing. But the team stats tell us it all right here. Lions had 31 first downs to San Francisco's 21. On third down, the Lions, 4 for 15. San Francisco, 3 for 9, 33%. Not bad. On fourth down... Niners didn't go for it on fourth down. The Lions were two for five on fourth down. Including the ending game situation. Total yards. The Lions had 430 total yards with 314 through the air. 116 on the ground. For the 49ers, they had 311 yards through the air. 131 on the ground for 442 yards of offense. In the red zone attempts, both teams were perfect. Two for two for the 49ers, three for three for the Lions. Penalties killed the Niners, seven penalties for 79 yards. So the Lions had five penalties for 45 yards. But here's the kicker. The Niners gave this game in turnovers towards the Lions. Three fumbles in the game, including the opening snap on Garoppolo. Loses the football. Lions have great field position. Can't connect. Can't connect. Three fumbles. 
Three turnovers. The Lions had one interception. Time of possession was all Lions. 33 minutes and 28 seconds to 26 minutes and 32 seconds. I just say this, Lions fans, it's going to be a long year. All right, we're going to take some wins and we're going to really take some losses. And again, we'll go over the schedule again. After the 49ers game today on Sunday, we go to Green Bay to play the Packers, and the Packers are going to be pissed. And it's on Monday Night Football. Then we host the Ravens. That's another loss. 0-3 to start the season. Could be 0-4 because we go over to to Soldier Field to battle the Bears. And the Bears, like, I, I, I like the Bears a little bit. We'll talk about the Bears here in just a second. Then they go up to Minnesota to battle the Vikings. That's a loss. They host the Bengals. That is probably the first win of the year, to be all honest with you. But how bad the Packers are, I don't know. They go out to L.A. to battle the Rams. And how good the Rams are, you know, we'll just dive into it later. The Eagles, that's probably a win. The Steelers, that could be a win. The Browns, <laughs> we'll talk about the Browns here in a second. Yeah, I, I just, I'm looking at their schedule and I just, I, I, I just don't see it. I just don't see a winning year this year. I said it, I said four wins, sounds like it's going to be the possibility. And it, it's looking more and more and more and more and more and more towards it. Four and 13 season looks like it's going to happen. And it started off on the right foot with them losing yesterday 41 to 33. So that's some of the negative part. That's the negative part. Let's talk about a positive team. Let's talk about the Browns. Browns coming off of a great playoff season, playoff run. Um, did that game just look so tailored that the Browns were going to win that game? The Browns just dominated that game. Absolutely, from from they from they starting off when they started off with the ball, and I I said it to people that I was around. As long as the Browns have the football and they can control the clock, they can keep Patrick Mahomes off the field because that offense is so fast that they'll put points up like that in a snap. And that's what they did. First quarter, they drove it for seven minutes. Put points on the board. And the balls of this team to go for two on this opening possession, that tells you that the kicker had some problems. That's number one. And number two, Stefanski got a big set of cojones. In that environment... Against the defending AFC champions. Oh, you know it. Oh, you know it. I'm seeing some positive things out of the Browns. And Nick Chubb. Perfect. A great game. The combination of Chubb and Hunt is perfect. You put Hunt as the third down third down back to get you those yards. You give the ball to Chubby and he runs it. And capitalize, capitalizes on it. You're going to win football games. 
you are going to win football games in the city of Cleveland. In my lifetime, I was born in 1990. I never saw the drive. I never saw the fumble. I know that the team law left in the 90s. Comes back, absolutely has been terrible ever since. Has not even won a home, haven't won a game in week one yet since 2004. That's when I started watching the NFL for real. The Browns dominated the game for three quarters. You have to play four quarters of football. And again, I will say it, the Browns brown themselves again! They... This punter needs a haircut and needs to put some stickum, a light, a light coating, a stickum, on his hands, because he cost the Browns the win. He did. He cost the Browns the win on Sunday. Mahomes. Rallies his team, and the Browns lose 33 to 29, allowing two touchdowns in the final six minutes of the game. And Baker Mayfield had probably the best game I have ever seen a quarterback from the Cleveland Browns have in my entire life. I wasn't around for Kosar. I was around for Karch. I wasn't around for Testa Verde, but I was around for Johnny Mansell. So my standards are pretty low. Baker just went and just plowed through that. The Browns are for real, folks. Don't get me wrong. The Browns are for real. They just browned themselves on Sunday. Mayfield, 21 for 28. 321 yards. Did not have anything in the air for a touchdown. He threw one interception, and that was the game, the, the final, play, final drive that the Browns had. Nick Chubb is a beast. 15 carries, 83 yards, one TD. I have said it when they drafted him. He is the he will be the number one running back for this team and should still be the number one running back for this team. Even on third down. But Kareem Hunt is really good too. Eight, six carries, 33 yards, one TD. Longest run is 15 yards. Jarvis Landry had two carries for 13 yards too. But he was leading in the receiving front. Five catches, 71 yards. Njoku, three catches, 76 yards. Schwartz, three catches, 69 yards. 
Hooper, three catches, 27 yards. Donovan Peoples-Jones, one catch, four yards. It just it just sucks that the Browns lost this game. It just... On how good they played and they lose. Mahomes was not that great. 27 for 36, 337 yards. He had three TDs, though, in the game. QBR rating of his... 88.0. By the way, Makers, 64.68.4. Edwards, 14 carries, 43 yards. But Mahomes running it five times for 18 yards, one TD in the game. Hill had only, uh, Tyreek Hill, 11 catches, 197 yards, one TD. Travis Kelsey, six catches, 76 yards, two TDs in the game. Now, let's get to the team stats really quickly. And by the way, I want to make mention of this too. The whole incident on the sideline was regarding of Edwards getting kicked out. Now, you look at this, I think the league's going to look at this. And, you know, they're going to come down on both the coach and him. Because it's a two-way street. But the thing is, I've always been taught that the second guy always gets caught and gets punished for it. And that's what happened. It cost the Browns a key player on the defensive end of the, of the football. The Browns had 24 first downs to so the Chiefs' 21. On third down, the Browns were 2 for 7. Kansas City was 9 for 13 in third down. On fourth down, the Browns were 3 for 4. Kansas City did not go for it on fourth down. In total yards... Cleveland had 457 total yards of offense, 304 through the air, 153 on the ground. And the run defense for the Browns is there because they only held Kansas City to 73 yards on the ground. Unbelievable. Passing-wise, Kansas City had 324 yards passing for 397 yards of total offense. The Browns perfect in the red zone, 4 for 4, Kansas City 3 for 5. Penalties. Both teams, five penalties. Cleveland had 30 yards in penalties. Kansas City, 36. But two plays. The fumble by Nick Chubb, which cost them points. And the interception for Baker Mayfield, which cost them the game. Two turnovers, no inter- turnovers for Kansas City. Kansas City left it in possession, though. 32 minutes and 47 seconds to the Browns, 27 minutes and 13 seconds. It's a positive. We can take this game as a positive. There's more progress in Cleveland than there is in Detroit. We'll take it at that. Take it at that. We will take it at that. We will take it at that. Browns have Houston for their home opener this upcoming Sunday afternoon, 1 o'clock kick at First Energy Stadium. That's a good good back to get back into the swing of things. So, we'll see. Uh, you're listening to All Andy Elf for tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you for tuning in. And now let's dive into a little bit more into the NFL and week one of the NFL kickoff season. Well, let's dive into week one of the NFL season and let's look at all the games, of course. And let's start with Thursday Night Football as it was the kickoff 
to the season opener as the Dallas Cowboys headed in to Tampa Bay with Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski at the helm. The defending Super Bowl champions continue their defense as they got a big win as they beat the Cowboys 31-29, to closer than what the experts thought. But Tom Brady, a great outing for him in this game. He went he went 32 for 50 for 379 yards. He had four TDs and two interceptions. Dak Prescott, 42 for 58, 403, three TDs, one interception in the game. Elliott, not that many carries. He had 11 carries for 33 yards. But Leonard Fournette, a big night, three, nine carries for 32 yards as the Buccaneers, a big 31-29 win. Then we get to week one of Sunday, and it was all Eagles in Atlanta with a big 32-6 win over the Atlanta Falcons. How about this one for you? Pittsburgh goes in to Ralph Wilson Stadium in Buffalo who I have is winning the AFC East. Beats the Bills 23-16. Unbelievable. Roethlisberger in this game, 18 for 32, 188 yards, 1 TD. Josh Allen for the Bills, 30 for 51, 270 yards and 1 TD. Darren Singletary, 11 carries for 72 yards. Najee Harris... 16 carries for 45 yards. That that punk Juju Smith-Schuster, four catches for 52 yards. But Stephon Diggs, nine catches, 69 yards. In a losing effort to the to the Steelers, as the Steelers went 23-16. In overtime, Joe Burrow and the Bengals get a big win. They win 27-24 over the Minnesota Vikings at Paul Brown Stadium. It went into overtime, and the Bengals getting the big win. Burrows in the game, 20 for 27, 261 yards, two TDs in the game. Kirk Cousins, 36 for 49, 351 yards, two TDs in the game. Jamar Chase, five catches, 101 yards, one TD in the game for the Bengals. Game-winning field goal in overtime with less than a minute to play. The Arizona Cardinals go into Houston and tighten down the Tennessee Titans by a score of 38-13. to Seattle with Russell Wilson head into Lucas Oil Stadium to battle the Indianapolis Colts, and it was a big win for the Seahawks as they win 28-16 over Indianapolis. Uh, the Chargers, a big win over the Washington football team, 20-16, as the fans were not only rained down with with a loss, but they were also raining down with sewer water as a sewage pipe burst in the lower bowl, which spewed sewage onto fans in the lower level. We'll post that video on uh, on our Twitter account at All Andy Elford. The Jets headed into Carolina to battle the Panthers, and the Panthers getting a big 19 to 14 win in Carolina. Jacksonville with the new touchdown Jesus, Trevor Lawrence at the helm with head coach Urban Meyer taking the realm. They lose their opening game. Lawrence overall in the game as he was the starting quarterback. 28 for 51, 322 yards, three TDs, three interceptions. 
Uh, Tyrod Taylor was the starting quarterback for the Houston Texans. There is no uh, Watson anymore. 21 for 33, 291, two TDs. Uh, Carlos Hyde, nine carries for 44 yards for Jacksonville as they lose 37 to 21 over the Houston Texans. You had the Dolphins with Mac uh, with Tua Talavailoa battling out against his former quarterback friend Mac Jones, the starting quarterback for the New England Patriots, and Tua gets the better of Mac Jones. As the Dolphins beat the Patriots 17 to 16, so stick it up your ass, El Presidente. The Patriots are back in some aspects, but I will say this: I got a lot of work to do, a lot of work to do. And now let's talk about Green Bay. Now they play New Orleans in Jacksonville. Now remember, in New Orleans they were hit with the hurricane, so they had to move their facilities to Dallas to play. Now, Dallas, now they decided to play the game in Jacksonville, which is closest to to um, to New Orleans. And it's close to Louisiana. And it's close to New Orleans. And they knew that Aaron Rodgers is terrible in the state of Florida. He is absolutely terrible. So I got to give credit to the Saints on that one. And the Saints and and Watt and and Winston. Jameis Winston. Licking up the W as they put a shellacking on the Green Bay Packers. 38 to 3. They were they were beating the Packers up. Folks, pounded the Packers 38-3. And it hurts us Lions fans because that's who we're playing next on Monday Football. Oh, shit. Aaron Rodgers, 15 for 28, 133 yards, two interceptions. It was not a game for him. And this is, quote-unquote, could be his final run as a Packer. Not a good way to start the farewell tour. 38-3 38-3 was the final as New Orleans beat the Green Bay Packers. Denver, a big win, 27-13 over the G-Men of the New York Football Giants. Sunday night football, it was Dot Bears with Andy Dalton running the quarterback scheme, taking on former Lions quarterback Matthew Stafford and the L.A. Rams. Aaron Donald was just torching up the defense on the torching the defensive side of the ball, getting to Dalton, putting pressure on him, and a lot of hurry-ups, no sacks really, and it played a factor in this, but Stafford just with connecting on Cooper Cup many of times, a great night for Stafford and the return as he is, uh, he's, he's, you know, he's there. 20 for 26, 321 yards with three TDs. Andy Dalton, 27 for 38, 206 yards, one interception in the game. Cooper Cup, seven catches, 108 yards, one TD. Unbelievable. Good win, four catches, 45 yards. 
So the Bears fall 34-14. to We do have a game that is happening here in just a mere moment. It is Monday Night Football as the Las Vegas Raiders welcome in the Baltimore Ravens to Allegiant Stadium. Hopefully they'll have beer and water and pop in their electronical system will be working tonight they're getting ready to start that game here in just a mere few moments so week one is in the books after tonight's monday night game we go in to turn the page in week two and we get to thursday night first thursday night game of the season as the football giants the g-men travel fedex stadium to battle the washington football team that is an 820 kickoff on the nfl network 820 kickoff the Line is already posted out as Washington, a three-and-a-half-point favorite over the G-Men. I will take Washington to beat the G-Men on Thursday night. On Friday's edition of All Andy Alford, yes, there will be a show on Friday, by the way. There will be a show this upcoming Friday. I guarantee it. We will recap and pre- we will recap the Thursday night game as well as preview week two of the season of, of the NFL season as the Browns take on the Texans as well as the Bears battle the Bengals. And the Lions are at Green Bay to battle the Packers. As you are listening to All Andy Alford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you for tuning in. And now let's hit to the college side of things. And a huge upset on the campus of Ohio State. Well, we're going to start with what happened on the fields of Bowling Green, Ohio. So it's now time to recap week two of the college football spectrum, of course, right here on All Andy Alford. And, of course, we're going to talk first and foremost about the team out of Wood County, and that is the Bowling Green State University Falcons. As It was the home opener this past Saturday afternoon as they took on the South Alabama Jaguars, University of South Alabama, or USA, on September 11th as it was – it's kind of a little ironic thing that the school's name is USA on Patriots Day. Um, I digress. So let's talk about this. First and foremost, a great turnout by us Falcon fans. I got to give you credit on that much. They did come out and support this team. I will. I am just going to say this. I am so proud of the student section. They have they filled the whole student section all the way up to the top of the stadium. And it was just tremendous to see that. And they were into it the entire game. It just sucked at the way that this game ended. It really, really did. And, you know, to have that much of support and love by the by the student body, that tells you that the team, the team has to rally around that. It really, really does. The community supports it. The team, the team and the fans have to be together on this. It really does. Now let's talk about the team. Now, the week before we went into Tennessee, we put six points on the board, two field goals. I was just surprised that we pulled six points out of our ass in Tennessee and Knoxville in that hostile environment. Very, very pleased with that. And, and how we dominated in the second quarter was just fantastic. Let's get to this week, though. South Alabama out of the Sun Belt Conference. Plays in the same conference as Coastal Carolina and Appalachia State. You would figure that this team would come out and rally because it's a home opener and, you know, 
be there and and they dominated the game. They did. From the start of the game, they dominated. Okay? South Alabama got the football to start the game. Okay? Goes three and out. They punt the football. They block. BG blocks the football. It goes into the back of the end zone for a safety. And it's 2-0 BG. 2-0 Bowling Green. I'm saying, oh my goodness. Uh, Hopefully this is a good start, you know. Bowling Green then gets the free kick, of course. Goes down the field, can't capitalize on anything. So it's a three and out. South Alabama gets the football. Throws it. Pick six. BG capitalizes. Gets the points. And they score. They score. They score. And Bowling Green scores. And they're up. They are up in the game. And then South Alabama decides to kick a field goal. It goes back and forth all game, and it's just how the game ended. It just, you know, it just bothered me the most. Okay, so Bowling Green, South Alabama scores a touchdown. Bowling Green was up 8-0 after the first first period. South Alabama with two field goals. It's 8-6 at the half. Okay. Okay. Bowling Green puts 11 points up in the third period alone. A field goal and a touchdown from Andrew Bench from Matt McDonald. It's 19-12. Okay, it's 19-12. In the fourth quarter... Tavron Avery, 13-yard run. It makes it then 19-19. And Diego... So Bowling Green gets the football. Okay, Bowling Green gets the football. All you have to do is run the clock out. No pass plays. Nothing stupid. Okay? BG had this game won in the third quarter. It goes back to what the Browns. What happened to the Browns? You have to play four quarters, not three. And they failed in the fourth quarter, letting South Alabama back in the game to tie the game. That was one thing. They get the football back. McDonald does a short pass, a short pass, a short pass. And the guy catches it, runs it down, gets tackled, and the ball pops out. With about 35 seconds left to go in the game. South Alabama gets it close. Runs the clock down to two seconds. And Diego... Diego Kujodu. Kicks a 44-yard game-winning field goal 
as time aspired at the Doit. And South Alabama beats Bowling Green by a score of 22-19 on Saturday. Got to give credit, South Alabama was still in it, and a good contingency of their fans were there. There's cheerleaders, and their mascot was there. Uh, good crowd for South Alabama to come in, and they were supportive. I, I shook a couple of people's hands. I said, congratulations on the win. Walked out of that stadium. I felt very, very upset. And you can go to our Facebook page and see the video from Saturday's game when I was there. This one, this one has to hurt for Bowling Green, the players. It does. It really does. Because you dominated this game, and you let them back in to win the game. You let them back in to win the game. And you let them win on your home opener, and you let them win on a field goal. Matt McDonald is the player of the week this week in the Mid-American Conference. And it's great to see. Absolutely great to see. But it's just the way that this team lost, Just it just bothered me. It just really bothered me. And this game really bothered me. The Tennessee loss, I knew it was coming. This one really bothered me. This, one, this, this is a bad loss. And this one hurts. So all Bowling Green has to do is pick their feet back up off the turf. Buckle the chin strap in because you're playing Murray State this upcoming weekend, homecoming weekend. If you don't win against Murray State, good luck. Because you're going to Minnesota the following week to play Gophers. And the Gophers are good. They gave Ohio State a run. So, we'll see. Uh, as always, we will have the post-game interview from Scott Leffler, courtesy of the Bowling Green BGSU Falcons uh, page. Um, you'll hear from the coach and how his feelings about this game and about how he performed. We will also... We'll have his comments as well. We'll also have a brief comment from Matt McDonald as well. So uh, here it is from the post game from Saturday, as Bowling Green falls to South Alabama, twenty-two to nineteen. Off, um, I'd like to give credit to South Alabama. Uh, they ended up pulling it out at the end. Uh, congratulations. I told our team in there. Uh, the fact of the matter is, is. Um, when we watch this tape, um, everyone has a piece of this, and everyone has some responsibility of this, including myself. Ball, uh, ball in the second half, um, had a hard time getting a grouping in, should have ran the ball, kicked a field goal, and uh, obviously the trick play, um, after we hit an explosion, uh, that's my responsibility. So everyone has a piece of this puzzle. We ran our number one blitz at the end of the game. It was a stop, and um, we misfit the run. But um, we're better on defense. We're better throwing the ball. We can't run it right now, and it's a shame because we've got good running backs. We need to find a, the way to establish some type of balance. And uh, uh, if we can find a way to run the football, our third down percentages will go up. 
And uh, but when we watched this tape, um, it was a collaboration of missed opportunities. And just like I said, those two, uh, that decision to uh, throw the ball uh, on second down or on third down, ball on the right hash, should have ran it and tried to kick a field goal. It was that type of game, and then the deception. Um, I thought our uh, defense played well. They're better. Um, we've made some improvement, but um, still we're pushing that boulder up the hill. And, uh, this one stings. This one hurts. And um, it's my responsibility, period. Kevin, I was going to ask Coach a little bit about what made Matt so effective today. What's that? Matt, what made Matt so effective throwing the ball today? We're going to be able to be really effective in the throw game as soon as we can run the ball. And um, we were 23 of 32 or something of that nature. And when you look at it, we probably should have been higher than that. But you can't win in, uh, in, in today's football without being having some type of balance. I understand, you know, it's a new wave. you got to throw it. I get all that. But uh, to win the, win the games here in this wind and everything else, we have to be able to run it. And uh, just like I said, it's a shame. We have good backs. Uh, we're fighting a ton of youth up front, a ton. Um, and I know we're, you know, I know we have youth up, and, and, and that's why I take responsibility for this loss because of we're so damn young, and uh, we got to find a way as a coaches to to get it done. And uh, plain and simple. Defensively, in the second half, if you look at the stats, the plays were heavily in favor of South Alabama. Do you feel like that led to the wear down of the defense at the end, led to the South Alabama touchdown? Yeah, we're we are we're uh, we are old school. Is um, there's three phases of the game, and uh, great 23 of 32, 304 yards, all this baloney. Fact of the matter is, you got to be able to run the ball. And uh, if we ran the ball effectively today, even with the m major miscues of errors, you win the football game. And um, ball security at the end, uh, I thought we protected the ball fairly well. And then uh, uh, they were in Tampa, too. We hit a uh, uh, Simsy on the, uh, on the option six, and uh, we turned the ball over. Did that lose the game? No, it didn't. There was a, there, this, this game was lost way before that. First half, this game should have been over. And uh, we didn't finish. We didn't finish, plain and simple. How much of a, of a gut punch is, is a game like this um, with this kind of outcome when it feels like you guys have control for, for, for most of that game? Yeah, it hurts. It's tough. You know, we, we lost that game. They didn't win that game. There was a number of times where we could have put the game away and we just didn't, and we let them hang around. And then they made some clutch plays at the end there, but um, we shot ourselves in the foot too many times, and we, we lost the game. Matt, you turned in your best performance individually in terms of passing yards. You set a career high, but um, as Coach Luckler mentioned, there's not too much to celebrate right now, but is this... You know, something that you can look back on. Did you feel good mm -hmm. health-wise? And, you know, how did you feel locked in out there? You know, what were you thinking out there on the field today? You know, I, I felt good. Um, 
should have been 100 more yards because there was plays out there that, that I missed that, you know, looking back on it, could have helped us close out this game, especially in the first half. Um, but we'll watch the film and we'll learn from it. And I know that we're going to bounce back from this game. We, we know that we can win games. We should have won this game, but it is what it is. And we're going to bounce back. And like Coach Elfler said, the 24-hour rule, we'll be upset for 24 hours, but come Monday we'll be ready to go. You guys were pretty deep into uh, South Alabama territory, and there was a play where you were setting the shot, and it looked like Cade snapped it a little bit early before you called for it. You know, yeah. Was that just miscommunication? You know, what was up with that? Confusion on the cadence. I should have thrown it away, though. It could have still been field goal position. There's no question that this team has made strides. Um, are, are those next steps now, learning how to close out these games and, and win these type of games? Yeah, no doubt. Um, they were a solid football team, and we, we knew that we should have won that game. And, you know, it, it really hurts, but I think it will give us confidence going forward, and we know that we can win a lot of games this season. We just got to finish it, close out the game. Matt, you hit a few receivers for some big plays down the stretch, which last week uh, were kind of far and few in between. You know, uh, finding those downfield strikes, you know, 30-plus yards you found, of course, the touchdown to bench. Um, you know, throwing downfield, is that something you guys planned on doing coming in today? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, definitely, and uh, we could have even hit some more there, but, you know, we definitely stressed that, and we knew that we could go after these guys vertically and um, just a different mashup than Tennessee. I know Coach Lefford touched on a little bit, but just how important is it for you guys to, to get a running game going and um, help open up more things uh, yeah. across the field? Yeah, I mean, you establish a run game, it, it helps the pass, it helps everything. So that's something that we're definitely focusing on, and we'll get it right for sure. Matt, I ask the same thing to start, and I'll uh, ask, ask, ask you as well. As hard as you and, and everybody else who's working to turn around, the culture, the game, yep. um, is, is maybe when you look back after the 24 hours, do you think you'll be a little bit encouraged on um, being, being in games against a really good opponent like this? Yeah, I think so. And, uh, you know... We beat ourselves, but we, we put ourselves in the position to win, and there's a lot of good that's going to come out of this film, and there's also bad. That's kind of how it goes. It's never too good, never too bad, so we're going to learn from the fil- film, and we're going to come in ready to work Monday, and we're going to get our first win next week. So you just heard from Scott Leffler, the head coach of the Bowling Green State University Falcons football team. You know, you could tell in his demeanor that he was, like, pounding the desk. He was very upset. And I will say this, too. That play... When he, with the trick play that cost them the interception, I was shaking my head thinking, what are you doing? What are you absolutely doing? Unbelievable. Looking at the stats at the game, Bentley, 29 for 46, 257 yards, no TDs and interception. Avery with 20 carries for South Alabama, 82 yards, one TD. Walker, 12 carries, 32 yards, one TD for South Alabama. In the receiving front, Tolbert, seven catches for 95 yards. Lacey, eight catches, 63 yards. And Sutlin, Sutlin, four catches, 27 yards. Like they mentioned before, uh, Matt McDonald, great outing, 23 for 32, 308 yards, one TD in the game. Um, uh, Stewart, five carries for 16 yards. Like they said, it was not much of a running game they had on Saturday against South Alabama, and their passing core really 
to sit the tap. Broden, three catches, 76 yards. Sims, eight catches, 76 yards. Keith, two catches, 55 yards. Uh, Andrew Bench, the, the kid from Genoa, one catch, 33 yards, a TD. I love this kid. He's a good kid. So looking at overall the team stats, South Alabama led in first downs 21 to 10. Total yards, South Alabama had 371 yards of total offense, 257th of the year, 114 on the ground. Here is why Leffler is so pissed, and I totally, totally agree. 317 yards of total offense, 308 through the air, nine, one digit, nine yards on the ground. Out of 19 attempts, you only get nine yards. That's that's not acceptable. That is totally, totally, totally not acceptable. Bowling Green killed in penalties. Ten, yard, 10 penalties for a 99 yards. That shows you lack of youth and leadership. Two penalties, 25 yards for South Alabama. Two turnovers in the game. A fumble, which cost Bowling Green the game. And the, and the interception in the end zone, which cost them the touchback, which cost them the touchdown. South Alabama led in possessions 35 minutes and 29 seconds to Bowling Green's 24 minutes and 31 seconds. So Bowling Green falls to South Alabama 22 to 19. They have to pick up themselves up and get ready for the next test, and that is against Murray State this upcoming Saturday, 5 p.m. kickoff at the Doit. As it is homecoming, it is a big test because they have Murray State. They have to win this game because they go to Minnesota next. And that is probably a loss. And then they start conference play against Kent State. And Kent State's a pretty good football team this year. I don't know. We'll see what happens. See what happens. We'll play Scott Leffler's uh, uh, press conference on Friday's edition of All Andy Alford, the Falcon Friday edition of the program. We'll have that for you in its entirety as we will get you set for BG's homecoming game against Murray State this upcoming Saturday. As you're listening to All Andy Offer tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you so much for tuning into the show. Let's dive a little bit more into college football and the upset at the shoot. Looking around the Mid-American Conference, this is the other games that took place this past weekend in week two of the college football spectrum. Kent State, a big win over VMI, 60-20. to It was Minnesota win, 31-26 to over Minnesota, over Miami. Excuse me, Miami of Ohio loses to Minnesota, 31-26. Wyoming goes into Northern Illinois and beats the Huskies, 50-43. to After the Huskies beat up on Georgia Tech the week before, they lose to Wyoming. Dubuque. Beats Ohio 28-26, to a big win for Dubuque there. Central Michigan, a 45-0 route over Robert Morrison. Penn State beats up on Ball State 44-13. Nebraska, a winner 28-3 over Buffalo. Temple beats up on Akron 45-24. Western Michigan routes Illinois State 28-0. And Eastern Michigan falls to Wisconsin, 18th-ranked Wisconsin. 34 to 7. So now let's get into the other game. Of course, and we're talking a little Notre Dame football. Notre Dame took on Toledo, which is a Mid-American Conference game, and this game, folks, was a doozy of a game. It shook the 
core of Notre Dame fans as well as surprise yours truly of how good Toledo really is. And Toledo hung in with Notre Dame punch for punch, blow for blow. And they came out and almost upset the Irish on their home opener. Unbelievable. In their home opener. At the break, Toledo was up 16 to 14. They were leading this game. They scored a touchdown with a minute 35 to go in the game, leading 29-24. And when I saw that score come across my ticker at the Doit, I was like, I immediately had to download the Peacock app and watch the end of the game. Playing stuff. And then Michael Myers getting his 18 an 18 yard pass from from Jake Crone. A successful two point conversion puts the dagger into the Rockets' hearts as they lose 32 to 29 to Notre Dame. But this tells you this, folks: Toledo is for real. Toledo's a real team. You play Colorado State this upcoming week. You played. Norfolk State this past week, whatever it was, yeah, Norfolk State shows you right here that Toledo can play with anybody. Anybody right now. And they can be decent. They're really good. Looking at their box score, Brantley, 17 for 27, 213 yards, no TDs, no interception. Brian Kobach, 21 carries, 122 yards, 1 TD. Finn, two carries for 24 yards, one TD for the Rockets. Maddox, nine catches, 135 yards. Winston, four catches, 44 yards. For Notre Dame in the game, Notre Dame had Krong, 21 for 33 with his dislocated thumb, which then gets popped back into place. Unbelievable. 239, two TDs, one interception. Williams, 16 carries for 78 yards, one TD in the game. Meyer, seven catches, 81 yards, two TDs. Tariq, two catches, 63 yards, one TD in the game. Led Notre Dame in the way. The team stats, Notre Dame had 27 first downs to Toledo's 16. On third down, Notre Dame was 8 for 14, Toledo 7 for 17. Notre Dame 0 for 1 on fourth down. Total yards, Toledo had 353 yards total offense, 221 through the air, 132 on the ground. Notre Dame had 317 total yards of offense, uh, 449 yards of offense in total, 317 through the air, 132 on the ground. Toledo had 11 penalties for 99 yards. That's a costly error for, for Toledo right there. Three penalties for 27 yards for Notre Dame. They had three turnovers in the, turnovers in the game, two fumbles, and one interception for the Irish, one fumble for Toledo, and that was the costly one the end of the game that cost them the football game which gave Notre Dame the chance to win possession arrow, possession arrow went to Toledo with 30 minutes and 4 seconds to Notre Dame's 29 minutes and 56 seconds unbelievable that's the mid the Mac recap let's look at the top 25 and we'll start off with Friday Coastal Carolina winner 49 to 22 over Kansas 
Auburn a 62 to nothing win on Saturday over Alabama State. Florida a 42 to 20 win over South Florida. Virginia Tech beats Middle Tennessee 35 to 14. Georgia routes UAB 56 to 7. Texas A&M a winner 10-7 over Colorado. Murray State, who Bowling Green will play this week, loses to seventh-ranked Cincinnati 42 to 7. Alabama beats up on Mercer 48 to 14. In the Battle of the Iowa Hawkeye State. Iowa winners 27-17 over Iowa State. Clemson, a big 49-3 win over SC State, South Carolina State. Oklahoma routes Western Carolina 76 to nothing. Here's an upset for you. 15th ranked Texas goes into Arkansas and loses to the Razorbacks 40-21. Unbelievable. Appalachia State loses to 22nd ranked Miami 25-23. Ole Miss a 54-17 win over Austin P. North Carolina a winner 59-17 over Georgia State. BYU upsets 21th ranked Utah 28-17. Arizona State a winner 37-10 over UNLV. And then Stanford beats USC. USC 14th ranked in the country. They lose 42-28 and they lose their coach. Yes, I said that right. I said that right. USC has fired Clay Helton as their coach, seeking a change in leadership for a one-in-one start to the season. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Fire that coach. The big upset of the day was the what happened at the at the at the shoot. We'll get to this now. Ohio State fans. I know you're going to hate me for what I'm about to say here, but there's no playoff. There's no playoff this year for you guys. I'm just going to play that out there right now. There's no playoff. And how good Oregon is was surprising. They dominated this game. In the possession arrow, as well as in the in the field. And without their top two players without their top two players they still beat Ohio State unbelievable Oregon 12th ranked in the country traveled to Columbus to battle the third ranked Ohio State Buckeyes and they beat Ohio State 35 to 28. Oregon for Brown 17 for 35, 236, two TDs in the game. Verdell 20 carries for 161 yards, two TDs in the game. The receiving core, Verdell three catches, 34 yards, one TD. He had three TDs all day. Webb two catches, 32 yards. Matavo, one catch, 14 yards, one TD in the game. Unbelievable. For the Buckeyes, C.J. Straw, 35 for 54, 484, three TDs, one interception in the game. Williams, 14 carries for 77 yards, no TDs. Henderson, 12 carries, 54 yards, one TD in the game. The receiving core for Ohio State, Smith, 
Seven catches for 145 yards, two TDs. Alave, 12 catches, 126 yards, no TDs. Wilson, eight catches, 117 yards, one TD in the game. If you look at the overall team stats in this game, Ohio State led in first downs with 32 first downs to Oregon's 27. On third down, Ohio State was 6 for 15. They went for it on fourth down many times and could not convert. They were 2 for 5. Oregon, on third down, was shooting 50% at 8 for 16. They were a perfect 100% 1 for 1 on fourth down. Ohio State has 612 yards of offense, 484 through the air, 128 on the ground. That's what killed them right there. Now, 31 at rushing attempts. They average only 4 yards a carry on the ground. For Oregon, 505 yards total offense, 236 to the air, 239 on the ground. They averaged 38 rushing attempts for 7.1 yards a carry. That tells you something right there. Penalties for Ohio State also hurt. Eight penalties for 71 yards. Oregon, four penalties for 35 yards. The interception cost Ohio State in the turnover realm. And Ohio State led in the possession arrow 30 minutes and 14 seconds to 29 minutes and 46 seconds. So Ohio State falls to Oregon at the shoe. Other Big Ten games that took place this past weekend, besides the Ohio State game losing to Oregon, Virginia beats up on Illinois 42-14. Michigan State, a big 42-14 win over Youngstown State. They're now 2-0. They have more wins this year than they did last year, as they're actually equal in total at two wins apiece. Uh, Northwestern of Wig, 24-6 win over Indiana State. Rutgers, a 17-7 win over Dino Babers, Syracuse Orange. Purdue, a 49-0 route over UConn, as well as Idaho lose, loses to Indiana, 56-14. Maryland, a 62-0 win over Howard. And then the big game on Saturday night as Washington headed into the big house of battle, Michigan. And Michigan, a big 31-10 win over the Washington Huskies and Washington isn't that good of a team I don't understand why this game was put on Saturday Night Football after Washington loses to a Division II college the week before they should have looked at this and rearranged it play simple but Harbaugh and his team is now 2-0 with a big 31-10 win over Washington Morris 20 for 37, 293 yards, one TD in the game. And that TD was a catch made by Burdum. Five catches, 115 yards. Newton for Washington, 12 carries for 24 yards. For Michigan in the game, it was McNamara, 7 for 15 for 44 yards. It was all on the ground, basically. Crum, 21 carries for 171 yards, three TDs. Haskins, 27 carries for 155 yards, one TD in the game. On the on the throwing side, it was Johnson, one catch for 33 yards. Like I said, the 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 passing game for Michigan is not there as of right now. Michigan had 20 first downs to Washington's 19. On third down, Michigan was seven for 16. Washington seven for 17. On fourth down, Michigan was two for three on fourth down. Washington one for four. The total yardage. 387 yards of total offense for Michigan, 44 yards passing, and 343 yards on the ground. You can tell where the football was at. 
passing for Washington, 343 yards of total offense, 293 through the air, 50 yards on the ground. Penalties, six penalties for both teams, 60 yards for Michigan, 59 yards for Washington. They turn over, went to Mich to uh, Washington. They had one turnover, a fumble, no turnovers for Michigan. Possession arrow was all in Michigan at 34 minutes and 20 seconds to, to 25 minutes and 40 seconds. So Michigan, a big 31 to 10 win. Michigan will get ready for a test in front of them. And that's another Mac school as Northern Illinois comes calling this upcoming week. So we'll look it into the schedules for this upcoming week on Friday's edition of All NBL for you. Here are my predictions for week two of the NFL schedule as well as week three of the college football spectrum right here on All Andy Elford. As you're listening to the show tonight on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening to us, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you for tuning in. And now let's dive into the baseball spectrum. You know, let's talk a little Tigers, a little Indians, but let's talk some Red Lake baseball as well. So after all this good football talk, let's dive into what's happening on the diamond. And yes, the Tigers welcomed in the Tampa Bay Rays for a quick three-game series at Comerica Park. And the Tigers getting the better of the Rays in the first game of the series on Friday night with a 10-4 win over Tampa Bay. Cicino, the win, he goes to 4-4 four four with a 3.06 ERA. Fairbanks, the loss, he's now 3-6 with a 4.21 ERA. Eric Haas homering his 21st of the season. Jonathan Scope, his 20th of the season. Victor Reyes, his 5th of the season as the Tigers beat the Rays 10-4. It was Alexander on the bump. He went four and a thirds inning pitch, though. Five hits, one run. That run was earned. Two walks, four strikeouts. He did not get a decision. His ERA is a 4.09 for Tampa in the game. It was Waka starting. He went five innings pitch, three hits, one run. That run was earned. No walks, six strikeouts. He gave up one home run in his outing. Like I said, Fairbanks was a losing pitcher. He won a third of an innings pitch, two hits, three runs. Those three runs were earned, one walk, one strikeout. ERA now a 4.21 in front of 18,321. Time of the game, three hours and 26 minutes. Second game of the series on Saturday afternoon saw Tampa getting the better of the Tigers as they win 7-2 over the Motor City Kitties. It was Casey Mize, the loss. He goes to 7-6 with a 3.66 ERA. He gave up a home run that was Wendell, his 10th of the season. Robbie Grossman went yard in the game, his 23rd of the season. As Ernst gets the win, he goes to 1-0 with a 3.38 ERA. Like I mentioned, Mize, two, third, two innings pitch, actually. It wasn't Mize that gave up the home run. It was Garcia that gave up the home run. Mize, two innings pitch, three hits, three runs. All three were earned, one walk, two strikeouts. His ERA, a 3.66 in his outing for the Rays. It was Archer going fourth innings pitch, two hits, one run. That run was earned one walk, two strikeouts. His ERA a 4.66 in the game time of the game, by the way. Two hours, 49 minutes, 18,442 in attendance at Comerica Park. So could the Tigers get the better of the series? They do. They take two of three from Tampa as they win eight to six on Sunday afternoon as a walk-off walk in the 10th inning. A walk-off home run, by the way, which tied it up in the bottom half of the 10th inning by Candelario. And then a walk 
in the bottom half of the 11th gives Detroit the win 8 to 6, 8 to 7 as Funkhauser gets the win he goes to 7 and 3 with a 3.45 ERA for missing the loss he goes to 4 and 4 with a 3.20 ERA Cruz homering for Tampa his 31st of the season Phillips homering his 11 Jamer Candelaria a two home run game his 13th and 14th of the season his 14th was the key one in the top half, bottom half of the 10th inning as he went yard in the game as the Tigers win 8 to 7 in 11 innings for the Tigers it was Scoble starting he went 3 innings pitch one hit no runs that no and none earned one walk, six strikeouts. His ERA now a 4.21 ERA. Guerrero went out and pitched two. He went three innings, pitched two hits, one run. That run was earned. One walk, two strikeouts. He gave up the one home run. One home run in his outing. For Tampa in their game, it was Pinedo starting. He went four and a third innings, pitched five hits, two runs. Those two runs were earned. Two walks, three strikeouts. He gave up one home run to Candelario. In a game that took three hours and 48 minutes, time was the time of the game. 13,396 in attendance at Comerica Park on a Sunday afternoon right across the street from Ford Field where the Lions were home opening against San Francisco and losing to San Francisco. So Detroit getting the two out of three out of Tampa Bay. They now welcome in the top team in the National League Central, and that is the Milwaukee Brewers for its quick two-game series. It will be on the bump tomorrow. It will be uh, Willie Peralta for the Tigers. He's 3-3 three and three with a 3.60 ERA. He'll take out Fernando Peralta, who's 9-4 with a 2.69 ERA. 6.40 start time for that one. You can watch that on Bally Sports Wisconsin or Bally Sports Detroit. The concluding game of the series will be a 1.10 start time on Wednesday afternoon at Comerica Park. It will be Manning 3-6 and six with a 6.14 ERA. Woodruff. For Milwaukee, he is 9-8 with a 2.48 ERA. Uh, 110 start time, Bally Sports Detroit, Bally Sports Wisconsin, or on the MLB Network. Then Detroit will then head to Tampa for four games starting Thursday. It'll be earns on the bump for Tampa in game one of the series on Thursday afternoon evening. He's 1-0 with a 3.38 ERA. Uh, A.J. Hinch has not yet named the starter for, the, for that game. Speaking of Continuing about teams, let's talk about the since the Tigers are playing Milwaukee. Milwaukee was in Cleveland this past weekend, and Cleveland gets swept by the Brewers in three straight games. And they'll start what happened on Friday night as the as the Indians fall to the Brewers by a score of ten to three. The score got opened up in the top half of the fifth inning with a grand slam home run, a big home run. By Herreras. It was a huge bat flip too. He just pounded that ball. Up halfway up into the bleachers. At. Progressive Field. A huge home run for Kane. His eighth of the season. Powering the Brewers. To a 10-3 win. Over the Indians. Hauser the win he goes to 9-6 with a 3.3. 2.5 ERA. Morgan the loss. He goes to 2-7 and seven with a 6.03 ERA. Herrera's homering his 20th of the season. Emilio Escobar, two home runs, his 26th and 27th of the season. And Kane, the big grand slam blast, his 8th of the season. For the Indians in the game, 
Morgan started. He went four and a third innings pitch, eight hits, eight runs, seven of which were earned, two walks, two strikeouts. He gave up two home runs in the game. His ERA a 6.03. For the Brewers in their outing, Hauser went six innings pitch, one hits, two runs, none of which were earned, five walks, five strikeouts, and no home runs. Time of the game, three hours and 24 minutes, 17,667 in attendance at Progressive Field in game one of the series against the Brewers as the Brewers took that one 10-3. Game two sees the Brewers pitching a combined no-hitter against the Indians. This is the third. I'll give you a stat of the day for you right here, folks. This is the third. This is the first time that a team has been no-hit three times in one season. The Indians have been done. Has have it been done to them? Wade Miley for the Reds. For against Tampa and now against the Brewers and all three starters all three starts were against Dan Plesek against Plesek Zach Plesek unbelievable Burns the win he goes to 10 and 4 with a 2.25 ERA Plesek the loss as they lose 3 to nothing to the Brewers Police act 10 and 5 with a 4.45 ERA. Hater, the save is 31st. So Burns and Hater have the combined no hitter together. Unbelievable. In the game, we'll start with the Brewers first because of the no hitter. Burns, 8 innings, no hits, no runs, 1 walk, 14 strikeouts. ERA at 2.25 ERA. Hater, an inning pitch, 2 strikeouts. His ERA a 1.42. Plesek, six innings pitch, four hits, three runs, two of which were earned, two walks, three strikeouts. He did not give up any home runs. Neither no, no teams did not go yard. Uh, his Plesek's ERA is now a 4.45. He's now 10 and five. Time of the game: two hours and 39 minutes. 20,100 in attendance to watch history on September 11th at Progressive Field. The Indians could not salvage the series as they lose to the Brewers on Sunday by a score of 11-1. to One run in the second, two runs in the third, two runs in the three runs, excuse me, three runs in the second, three runs in the fourth, all combined with home runs by, by Garcia, Avicio Garcia with two home runs, uh, Wong with two home runs, his 12th and 13th of the season, and Panera home running. His 10th of the season power the Brewers to an 11-1 win over the Indians. And lower the win, he goes to 6-5 with a 3.10 ERA. Cervelli the loss, he goes to 10-4 with a 3.76 ERA. Ashby the loss, save, he gets his first save of the season for the Indians in the game. It was Cervelli going three innings pitch, seven hits, seven runs. All seven were earned, two walks, three strikeouts. He gave up three home runs. His ERA now a 3.76 ERA. For the Brewers in the game, Lauer, five in the third inning pitch, three hits, one run. That run was earned, one walk, eight strikeouts. His ERA a 3.10 ERA. Ashby going three innings pitch, one hit, no runs, none earned, no walks, 
five strikeouts. ERA at 3.13 ERA. Time of the game, two hours and 59 minutes, 16,332 in attendance at Progressive Field. So the Indians, in their last homestand, only won one game. And that was Thursday against the Twins. They won 4-1. to one. The homestand, they went 1-6 and six in a seven-game homestand. Not way a good way to end the season. So now they head to Minnesota for three games in two days. They'll have a doubleheader. It'll be a split-bill doubleheader tomorrow. 310 first pitch tomorrow at Target Field in Minneapolis, Minnesota. McKenzie will start for Cleveland. He's 4-6 and six with a 4.44 ERA. Ryan will start for for Minnesota. He is 1-1 one one with a 2.25 ERA. MLB Network or on Bally Sports North or Bally Sports Great Lakes. The second game of the Twin Bill tomorrow at seven will be 7.40 start time. Be Logan Allen 1-6 with a 6.86 ERA. He'll take on Barnes who's 0-3 with a 6.59 ERA. That game will be on FS1 to watch tomorrow night. The concluding game of the series will be Quintel on the bump for Cleveland. He's 5-3 with a 3.04 ERA. He'll take on Jack, who is 3-3 with a 6.72 ERA, 7.40 start time. Bally Sports North or Bally Sports Great Lakes. The Cleveland Indians will have a day off on Thursday, and then they will head to the Bronx on Friday for a three-game series at the stadium before they return home for five, for nine-game homestand to end the season. Four against the Royals, five against the White Sox. So it's not looking good for both the Indians and for the Tigers, but let's talk about the Red Legs over in Cincinnati. And let me call in my good friend, Mr. Red Leg Alfred. Hey, folks, this is Andy Alfred, or a.k.a. Red Legs Alfred, and this is the Cincinnati Reds recap for you right here. The Reds are still holding strong and getting into the wild card race as they took on the St. Louis Cardinals in a quick three-game series at Bush Stadium. On Friday night, the Reds getting a 4-2 win over the St. Louis Cardinals as Michael Lorenzen getting the win. He goes to 1-2 with a 3.20 ERA as McFarlane, the loss. He goes to 3-1 with a 2.08 ERA. Givens gets the save for for Cincinnati in the game as Eugenio Suarez homering his 26th of the season and Joey Votto on his birthday getting his 30th home run of the season while Yadier Molina getting his 11th home run of the season for the Cardinals was the only difference in that as two runs were scored for the Cardinals all game in the fourth inning but one run in the first, one run in the fourth and two runs in the ninth inning helped the Reds to a 4-2 win over St. Louis in the game. For the Reds in the outing, it was Mally on the bump. He went six innings, pitched four hits, two runs. Those two runs were earned, two walks, six strikeouts. He had one home run, the give-up home run to Yadier Molina. As it was it was less Jonathan Lester on the bump, seven innings, pitched three hits, two runs. Those two runs were earned, four walks, two strikeouts, and two home runs. Both to Suarez and Tavato is what Lester gave up in a game that took two hours and 43 minutes to to play in front of 29,557 in attendance at Bush Stadium this past Friday night. On Saturday, the Reds took on the Cardinals, and the Cardinals getting the better of the Red Legs as they won 6-4 over the Reds. As it was Reyes the win, he goes to 7-8 with a 2.95 ERA. Sims gets the loss for the Reds. He is now 5-3 with a 5.13 ERA as Gallows gets the save, his 7th of the season. 
The long ball helped out the helped out the Cardinals. It was DeJong, his 17th home run of the season, and Arenado, his 30th home run of the season, while Nick Castellanos getting his 28th home run of the season for the Red Legs, and Jonathan India, the future rookie of the year, got his 20th home run of the season at Bush Stadium. As the Reds fall to the Cardinals 6-4 on Saturday, September 11th. If you look at the look at the lineup, it was Louis Castillo on the bump. He went seven innings pitched, eight hits, four runs. Those four runs were earned. One walk, five strikeouts. He gave up one home run in his outing. But Sims, an inning pitch, three hits, two runs. Those two runs were earned. No walks, two strikeouts, and he gave up a home run. For the Cardinals in the game, it was... McCullough starting five innings pitched, six hits, four runs. Those four runs were earned, one walk, one strikeout, and he gave up two home runs to Castellanos and Jonathan India. In the time of the game of two hours and 44 minutes, 33,404 in attendance at Bush Stadium at St. Louis, Missouri. On Sunday, the Reds try to get the series win. Unfortunately, could not capitalize as the Cardinals take the series two games to three over the Red Legs as the Reds get shut out by the Cardinals by a score of two to nothing. Hap gets the win. He goes to nine and eight with a 6.0 ERA as Sonny Gray falls in his outing as Nolan Arenado homering his 31st home run of the season, a two-run bomb in the bottom half of the first inning, giving the giving all the runs needed for Hap in the game as Gray hits. Gets the loss. He's now seven and seven with a three point eight zero ERA. Gallows the save, his eighth of the season. In the for Gray in his outing, he went seven innings pitched, three hits, two runs. Those two runs were earned. One walk, six strikeouts. The home run to Arenado was the only home run he gave up. Is ERA three point eight zero ERA for the for the Cardinals? It was Hap going five and a third innings pitched, two hits, no runs, none earned. One walk, four strikeouts. His ERA now a six ERA as. It was two hours and 35 minutes took to play the game. 32,872 in attendance at Bush Stadium. With the Reds now losing two of three to the Cardinals, they now have a day off on Monday. They will take on the Pirates for a three-game series, which will start tomorrow night. As it will be Wade Miley on the bump at PNC Park with a record of 12-5 at the 2.89 ERA. He'll take on Peters, who is 0-2 with a 3.38 ERA, 6.35 first pitch on AT&T Pittsburgh or Bally Sports Ohio. In Game 2 of the series on Wednesday evening, it will be Gutierrez, who is 9-6 with a 4.05 ERA. It will take on Keller, who is 4-11 with a 6.29 ERA at time 6.35 on Bally Sports Ohio or on AT&T Pittsburgh. The concluding game of the series will be Thursday afternoon at 12.35. Pittsburgh has not yet named the starter for the game. However, it will be Wayne Miley on the bump, who is 11-5 with a 3.73 ERA. Game time 12.35 on Valley Sports Ohio or on AT&T Pittsburgh. After the series, the Reds come back home for their final home stand of the season for three games against the Dodgers, three games against Pittsburgh, and four games against the Washington Nationals before they head to the south side of Chicago to battle the White Sox and three more games against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Now for a look at the AL and NL standings as well as the wildcard race, turn it back over to all Andy Elford himself, Mr. Andy Elford. Thanks a lot, Redleg Alfred, and uh, uh, truly a pleasure on your recap for the for the Reds, of course. And let's take a look at the standings going into today's play as the American League Central is pretty much wrapped up as the White Sox have the top spot at 82-61, and 61, the Indians 69-72, and 72, 12 games out of first place, the Tigers 68-76, and 76, 14 and a half games out of first place. Kansas City 65 and 78, 17 games out of first place. And Minnesota 63 and 81, 19 and a half games out of first place. The 
race to look at is the um, American League West. Houston is at 83 and 59. Oakland is 77 and 66, six and a half games out of first place. Seattle is also 77 and 66, six and a half games out of first place. The Angels 70 and 73, 13 and a half games out of first place. Texas 53 and 89, 30 games out of first place. In the East, it is Tampa holding the top spot at 89 and 54. Toronto 80 and 63, nine games out of first place. Boston 81 and 64, nine games out of first place. The Yankees 80 and 64, nine and a half games out of first place. And Baltimore 46 and 97, 43 games out of first place. They are the second to worst team in all of Major League Baseball. In the senior circuit in the American National League Central, Milwaukee holding the top spot at 89 and 55. The Reds in second spot at 75 and 69, 14 games out of first place. St. Louis is 73 and 69, 15 games out of first place. The Cubs 65 and 79, 24 games out of first place. Pittsburgh 52 and 91, 36 and a half games out of first place. The race is really in the uh, National League East. Atlanta in the top spot at 76 and 66. Philly is 72 and 71, 40. Four and a half games out of first place. The Mets are at even 72 and 72. Five games out of first place. Miami 61 and 83. 16 games out of first place. Washington 59 and 85. 18 games out of first place. In the West, San Francisco holding the top spot at 93 and 50. The Dodgers in the second spot at 91 and 53. Two and a half games out of first place. San Diego 74 and 68. 18 and a half games out of first place. Colorado 66 and 78. 27 and a half games out of first place. Arizona is the worst team in all of baseball at 46 games out of first place. They're 47 and 96. So now that's the standings in the regular. We are now all going to be looking more towards the wild card. So here's the wild card, what it would stand today. Tampa would be at the top spot. Then Houston, then Chicago. The wild card, Toronto is holding the top spot in the American League at 80 and 63. Boston 81 and 64. The Yankees on the outside looking in at 80 and 64. They're a half game out of first place. Oakland three games out of a wild card spot at 77 and 66. So is Seattle. And those are the three teams that are going to be in the hunt to get into the wild card race. We get into the senior circuit, and this is where us Red fans are looking at this and are shaking our heads. Top spot will be San Francisco, and then it'll be Milwaukee, and then Atlanta. The wild card race is this. The Dodgers will have the top spot. They're 16 games up in the wild card spot. They're 91 and 53. San Diego is 74 and 68. The Cincinnati Reds are 65 and 69. A virtual tie for the wild card race. Virtual tie for the second wild card spot. St. Louis is 73 and 69, game out of a wild card spot. Philadelphia 72 and 71, two and a half games out of a wild card spot. And the Mets are 72 and 72, three games out of a wild card spot. So, with all that in mind, let's take a look at what's happening around the league right now. The Cardinals are up on the Mets right now, three to nothing, as we're going into the fifth inning right now. As they're up into the fifth inning, three to nothing. So that's something to watch. The Padres are in San Francisco this tonight to battle the Giants. That is a big game to watch for Reds fans. So is the Dodgers. The Dodgers are battling the Diamondbacks. In the American League, there is one game that has gone final tonight. 
today. It was a day game at the stadium as the Yankees beat the Twins by a score of 6-5 to five in extra frames. So, other games that are happening this week to look into, of course. The, the Phillies are playing the Cubs. That's a big one right there. Tampa is playing Toronto. Cardinals and Mets, like I mentioned before. You also have you also have Padres and Giants, Dodgers, Dodgers and D-backs, and you have the Red Sox battling the Mariners. So we're coming down to the stretch, and these are some meaningful, pivotal games to watch out for, to look out for. As we're headed down the final stretch of the American League and National League season and seeing who's going to make it to the postseason. We'll have you covered right here on All Andy Offer right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, Bleaker, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you for tuning in. And now let's talk a little bit minor league baseball really quickly. Let's talk a little Mud Hen baseball. So the Mud Hens are coming back home after a long road trip, a huge series for them this past week as they took on the Iowa Cubs in Des Moines, a huge series as they took on the Cubs, a pivotal series in some aspects as they took on the Cubs and they just put a shellacking on the Cubs. On Tuesday the 7th, they opened up the series against them and beat them 8-2. to two. Sure, the win, he goes to 6-2 with a 3.58 ERA. Lugo, the loss, he goes to 1-2 with a 5.40 ERA. Blackwood, the save. Uh, Torkelson, his 7th. Riley Green, his 5th. Zach Short, his 7th. For the Mudhens, it was Landoff, his 4th at Principal Park. As the Mudhens win 8-2 in Game 1 of the series. In Game 2 of the series, they win 7-5, beating up on the Cubs. Pinto, the winning goes to 2-3 two with a 5.23 ERA. Roberts, the loss, 2-2 two two with a 7.07 ERA. Foley, the save, his first. Thompson, homering twice for the Cubs, his 17th and 18th of the season. You get to Game 3 of the series, and the the uh, Mudhens, a uh, loser to the Cubs, 5-1. to one. Abbott, the winning goes to 3-6 and six with a 6.40 ERA. Rodriguez, the loss, he goes to 2-1. With a 3.65 ERA, Thompson homering his 19th. Avero his homering his 5th of the season. And then you get to the 10th on Friday night. The Mudhens and the Cubs battle it out. And the Hens, a big win, 3-2. Ledner Jr., the win, he goes to 6-3 with a 3.90 ERA. Swarmer, the loss, he goes to 3-7 with a 4.48 ERA. Fully the... Save his second of the season. Lester homering twice, his third and fourth of the season. And Dutchman homering for Iowa, his third of the season. Then we get to Saturday, and the Mudhens just went in and just tore the hell out of Iowa. Putting up 21 runs on 21 hits. As the Mudhens beat the Cubs 21-4. Pinto the win. He goes to 10-2 with a 4.32 ERA. Biagi the loss. He goes to 3-7 with a 5.65 ERA. Iowa homers where Thompson his 20th and 21st of the season. He homered twice in the game. 
for the Mud Hens. Daz Cameron, two home runs, his fifth and sixth of the season. Isak Paredes, his ninth home run of the season. Lester, his fifth and sixth home run of the season. And Kreider, his fourth home run of the season. You look at the box score in this game, okay? The Mud Hens had six runs in the first, seven runs in the second, two runs in the third, two runs in the fourth, and one run in the fifth. They didn't score again until the eighth inning where they got three runs. So 21 runs on 21 hits, no errors, and the Mud Hens cruised to a 21-4 win. But it wasn't just that score for the Mud Hens in Iowa. It was a high-scoring game in all the International League. Because St. Paul beat Omaha 21-4 as well that night. So it was a high-scoring game. Scranton beat Rochester 11-9. Lehigh Valley beat Wooster 8-6 that night. So it was high-scoring games on Saturday, September 11th. We get to the final game on Sunday, and the Mud Hens cruise to an 8-1 win. They continue their winning ways. Shore, the win. He goes to 7-2 with a 3.43 ERA. Lugo, the loss. He goes to 1-3 with a 5.04 ERA. Riley Green, his 6th. Cody Clements, his 17th. And Kreider, his 5th. Young, his 4th home run of the season as at Principal Park. So the Mud Hens take the series and beat up on the Iowa Cubs. And that is huge going into this week's series. The Mud Hens welcome in the Columbus Clippers for a six-game series starting tomorrow night. Pinedo will start for Toledo. He's 4-5 and five with a 4.74 ERA. And we, like I said, at the beginning of the podcast, if you were listening to us, this just came across our line as we came on the air for you. The AL Cy Young winner Shane Bieber will make a rehab start tomorrow against the Toledo Mud Hens. As a Columbus Clipper. So get your tickets for this one. 635 first pitch. I know the weather's going to be a little iffy tomorrow night. But if you want to see the AL Cy Young winner at a good price, head down to Fifth Third Field tomorrow night. 635 first pitch for that one. It'll be Rodriguez starting in game two of the series for the Mud Hens. He's 2-1 and one with a 3.65 ERA. Uh, Andy Tracy has not yet named the starter for game two of the series on Wednesday, Thursday night, we I will be at the ballpark, and I'll see Leiter Jr. on the bump, six and three with a three point nine zero ERA. Uh, Columbus has not yet named starters for that one on Thursday, Friday night. Both teams have not yet named start. Uh, actually, the Mudheads named Pinto the starter. He's ten and two with a four point three two ERA. Columbus has not yet named the starter for Friday, Saturday. It will be Shore seven and two with a three point four three ERA in that one. And Sunday, the concluding game of the series, they will have they will have Pinedo on the bump, four and five with a four point seven four ERA. So Pinedo will start two games of the series, and then the Mud Hens will be off on Monday. They will return back home to end the season on the. They go back on the road. On the 22nd through the through the 26th, that they will play against the Louisville Bats. So there's that for you right there. They'll return home for a quick three-game series against the St. Paul Saints. And with all that said in mind, let's take a look at the standings going into this week's play for the Mud Hens. The Mud Hens holding the top spot in the 
in the International League Midwest bracket at 67 and 47. Iowa is now 64 and 53 games out of first place. St. Paul 58 and 56, nine games out of first place. Indianapolis 54 and 59, 12 games out of first place. Columbus 52 and 60, 14 games out of first place. Louisville 49 and 64, 17 and a half games out of first place. The Iowa Cubs are 46 and 68, 21 games out of first place. In the southeast bracket, it will be right now is Durham in the top spot at 72 and 42. Gwinnett 68 and 48, six games out of first place. Jacksonville 65 and 49, seven games out of first place. The fighting trip continue to fight on. The Nashville Sounders 60 and 54, 12 games out of first place. Memphis 53 and 61, 19 games out of first place. Norfolk 48 and 68, 26 games out of first place. And the Charlotte Knights are 44 and 70, 28 games out of first place. In the East bracket, it is the Buffalo Bulls at, well, excuse me, Buffalo Bison at 68 and 43, top spot. Scranton Wilkes-Barre Rail Riders are 64 and 47, four games out of first place. The Wooster Red Sox are 64 and 49, five games out of first place. The Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs are 50 and 62, 18 and a half games out of first place. Rochester 44 and 66, 23 and a half games out of first place. And Syracuse at 44 and 67, 24 games out of first place. So to make mention of this, uh, t- the 2021 regular season champion will be crowned in both the AAA East and AAA West based on the highest overall winning percentage through the original scheduled championship season. Among all 30 clubs, a single 2021 AAA final stretch winner will be crowned across both leagues based on the highest overall winning percentage during a 10-game schedule immediately following the original scheduled championship season. So, if you're looking at winning percentages, let's see here. We can get the winning percentage. Pulling it up here for you guys. So the top two are Durham at 665.655. Toledo is second at 0.632. That says something right there. That says something right there that the Mud Hens could get screwed out of this, of this whole situation. You know, and how good this team is this year. I would love to see postseason baseball, but it's not going to happen. Of course, it's not going to happen. Durham is in Charlotte this week to play the Knights. That's not good for the Mud Hens. So if you're a Knights fan, if you're if you're a Mudhens fan, you're rooting for the Knights this week to keep that winning percentage up. Plain and simple. If you're listening to All ADL for tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Bleaker Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you for tuning in. And after this whole podcast, it's time now for Andy Rants. So it's now time for Andy Rants tonight, and I want to thank you for tuning into this long podcast tonight. If you haven't hit the subscribe button yet, then what are you doing? Hit the subscribe button. We do shows every Monday or Tuesday, probably more towards Tuesday, but we wanted to be on the air tonight because all the baseball teams will be in action tomorrow night, and I'll probably be down at the ballpark watching Shane Bieber pitch. Uh, 
We do shows every Tuesday and Friday right here on the Anchor Network. So I wanted to talk about Andy Rance tonight. And uh, the big one today is about what happened in Columbus with the, regarding the Blue Jackets. The Jackets announced today that Cleveland Monsters associate coach and former NHL player Steve McCarthy has replaced Sylvan Lefevre as the assistant coach under head coaches Brad Larson's staff. The reason why McCarthy replaced Lefevre is that Lefevre has been, has been let go by the team because he has decided not to receive a COVID-19 vaccine and thus will not be able to perform his duties required of him during the NHL protocols from Yarmo Kekalina. While we're disappointed, we respect that the decision is a personal one for Sylvan and wish him all the best. Uh, we feel fortunate to have an outstanding coach join our club and Steve McCarthy, who has played in this league, won championship as a player, and has been an important member of the Hockey Operations Department as an assistant coach in Cleveland. McCarthy is 40 years of age. He has spent the past five seasons as an assistant coach with the Cleveland Monsters. And he also enjoyed a 16-year playing career in the NHL from 1999 to 2008, selected by the Chicago Blackhawks in the first round in the 99 draft. He has registered 17 goals and 38 assists and 55 points with 168 penalty minutes and 302 games with the Hawks, the Vancouver Canucks, and the former Atlanta Thrashers. Uh, you know, Lefevre's decision to not get a vaccine, you know, it's a personal choice, but we're seeing this more and more nowadays that, you know, people are choosing not to get vaccinated over this whole situation. And, you know, we, I wanted to end tonight's program after reading that statement of what happened, what's happening with the wedding situation. Now we are getting ready and we're in the final stretch. We are now 11 days from the wedding, nine days from the rehearsal. Um, to those of you that are coming to the wedding, that are invited to the wedding, I, I, I am truly, truly blessed to have you there. So please be safe. Please be cautious. And, um, if you haven't, if you are, I appreciate you being vaccinated. If you're not vaccinated, we are welcoming you to our, our wedding with open arms. We just ask that you wear a mask the entire time. Um, just for the respect for both of our families as well as all the other people that are around you to wear a mask when you're at our wedding because we don't want it to be a COVID outbreak. Uh, my sister's wedding was during the mid of COVID right in, in May and it turned into a 38 people outbreak and I don't want our wedding to turn into that. So if you're vaccinated, have a great time, enjoy yourself. If you're unvaccinated, just be careful. Make sure you wear a mask and, you know, keep to yourself a little bit. Don't wander off all that much. Uh, but like I said, there's people out there that are not wanting to take this vaccine. And you're telling, you're telling me that you don't believe in science. Science is for real. And a new study came out today that is more deadly, that people unvaccinated have 11 more times, are more likely, 11... 11 times more likely to die from COVID-19 being unvaccinated than being vaccinated. You're telling me you don't believe in the science. And 
you know, I have people, I have friends that are in the medical field that are losing their jobs because of they don't want to get a vaccine. That they don't want to get, they don't want to put this into their body. Because I don't know what's in there. Listen to me. You have worked your entire career in science, in the medical field. You know what's best for business and what's best for yourself. And that's to get the shot. So get the shot, be healthy, and be safe. Not only for yourself, but the others around you, to other people as well. And if you don't want to get the shot, then mask up. Be safe. Be careful out there. But if I were you, I'd get, definitely get the shot. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. And that's going to wrap it up for this long edition of All Andy Offered. Again, I apologize for this long show tonight. I know you've all were waiting for the start of the NFL football season as much as I was. Uh, we will be back on Friday for our Falcon Friday edition of the program as it is homecoming weekend. Bowling Green takes on Murray State. We will have the we will have the presser from Coach Luffler as well as previewing the game against Murray State as well as hearing my predictions for this upcoming weekend for the NFL and college football as well as getting you set for the busy weekend on the diamond and we're right around the corner from training camp starting in the NHL. No one will be in the home stretch for my wedding. Literally, we are on the we are on the front stretch and Larry Coleman is saying and then they're into the stretch. So until I talk to you on Friday, this is Andy Elford saying I'm pulling for you. We're all in this together. Game of life. Keep your stick on the ice. And to the teams you root for at home, and to my teams, go Jackets! Go Walleye! Right around the corner, my friends. Right around the corner. Come on, Lions. Get it together. Let's go Browns! Don't keep browning yourself. Let's go, Falcons. Let's get back onto the winning page. Go, Irish. And go, Red Legs. And go, Hens. Victory is sweetest when you have tasted defeat. Have a great rest of the week, everybody. I'll talk to you on Friday. Falcon Friday edition of All Andy Alpha right here on the Anchor Network. Love you. Talk to you then. This has been a presentation of the All Andy Elford Network powered by Anchor. You have been listening to Andy right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, Leaker, however you listen, wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. And remember, you can follow Andy on Twitter. It is at All Andy Elford. It is at All Andy Elford. Facebook.com slash All Andy Elford. Podcasts are posted every Tuesday and Friday right here on the Anchor Network.